Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Joseph, you know what? I still don't have a therapist. This is a problem. Because I've been on I broke up with my last yeah, one because can't... he was a little he was a little like Trumpy and I was like, Oh, oh no, well, that is just not cute. That's what we call a deal breaker. And in Trump's America, betterhelp.com. We just need online counseling that's there for you. Best of all, it's truly the affordable option. Food for thought listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code THOT. If you've been wanting to talk, get started today. Betterhelp.com slash THOT. Simply fill out the questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor that you'll love, one that you can always change. That's betterhelp.com slash THOT. Promo code THOT. Welcome to Food for Thought, a podcast gap fest where in a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, identity, culture, what we like to read, and who we like to read. Food for Thought, good nutrition for bad people. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Fran, I'm a writer, editor, and I've just discovered the life-changing magic of Tinted moisturizer. Oh, and it's totally. changing my life. Wow. Steven knows what I'm talking about. Are you using Laura Mercier? Oh, I'm not, but I should get on that. <laughs> oh, wow. So good. I'm Joseph Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer, Pisces in the streets, and Pisces also in the sheets. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most important thing you've ever Tears said. Tears are my lube. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Um, <laughs> where is the lie? Unanimously grown. I, I yeah. have. I've been so like starved for like intimate sex that I had um, a hookup with a uh, a fuck buddy that I've been fucking for a long time who I really, really love but lives in another city and I did cry when I came. Like oh my legitimately. God. Thank you, Joseph. Um, You're welcome. Oh my God. Okay, what um, works for you? On that note, I'm Dennis Norris the Second, and I'm a reader, a writer, a former figure skater, and sadly, though I have deep appreciation for eggplant in all of its iterations, I'm actually allergic to eggplant. Oh my god! <laughs> Revolutionary. Wow. Stephen fell out of his chair. Sorry, Stephen. We're bad people. No, I love it. I love it. And my name is Stephen Canals. I'm the co-creator of the show Pose on FX. That's correct. <laughs> And we are so glad to have you in the studio here in sunny Los Angeles. Mm. I hate all of you for living here. Or rainy Los Angeles. This weekend. The listeners at home don't need to know that. Okay. (laughs) Up on our menu this week, this theme is Hollywood. Hollywood's right. Um, For our amuse-bouche, we play a Tinseltown-themed version of Swipe Right, Swipe Left. For our next segment, we have a little Penny for Your Thoughts moment. Mm. For our main discussion, you know... Again, we're going to Hollywood, and our dessert will give you life. Yes. <laughs> Take it away. Mwah. I'm feeling a little peckish, so let's start the top of this show the way any good top should. A little tease, a little something to wet your palates. It's called the amuse-bouche. So we're going to amuse your bouches today with a classic game of swipe right, swipe left. But 
you know, the theme is Hollywood today. So we're going to do a little a Hollywoodsian spin on it, if Mm. you will. Holly thoughts. So uh, for those of you at home who have never, um, you know, been on dating apps or have, you know, been living in a vacuum for the past few years, um, on Tinder, swiping left is the bad thing. Mm. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. uh, swiping right is the good thing. Mm. Uh, I also, I'm not on (laughs) Tinder. So like, it's fine if you're not on Tinder, like good for you, like live your life. But... um, (laughs) Swipe right, swipe left. Kevin Hart. Uh, <laughs> sorry to give him more. Poor baby. Oh, uh, no. Hard, hard left. He's so cute. Oh, oh my God, Joseph. I know, but he's, left, 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 left. He's oh, always a problematic fave, Joseph. Is he's that always, I, just, I just think he's cute. I like little men with good bone structure. Uh, and I, great skin. And he's little. He's yeah. little. He, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he's little. Hard, hard left. Hard he, left, he, though. Like, I, he can't come back for me. Like, mm, uh, for, oh. for me, he, I don't think he can come back. Mm. Hard left. Steven. Swipe left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> swipe right, swipe left. The Star is Born soundtrack. How about the one song? The one song. Shallow. Shallow. Swipe right. We yeah. will swipe right. The only one I've heard. It's I'll the only one I've it's heard. One I've oh, heard too. my God. You haven't yet. heard Hair, Body, Face? I don't think you so. Have, y'all. I think I've just heard Shallow. Are you even gay? Where am no, I? I'm straight Is now. this a straight podcast? I straight How I'm dare so y'all? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. You, are, you're, yeah. you are complicit in your silence. <laughs> <laughs> I will not stand for this. Wow. Once again, I'm carrying the gay culture. Correct. <laughs> And and educating all of you straights. Anyways, it's fantastic. Wait, swipe right, swipe left on the movie. Oh, okay. Mm. I will swipe left on what I thought was a very rudimentary plot. And I will swipe right on the fact that I think their chemistry was so fun to watch. Uh, Bradley Mm. Cooper and Lady Gaga. You can have a hundred people in the room. Oh my god! And ninety nine of them won't believe in you. Oh, that's god. when I swipe. Um, I, I don't really understand actually, like the did excitement you, around. Did you see it? No, of course but, not. Of course not. But this was okay. So I, I saw the Barbara Streisand one, like right before this one came out. I saw the Barbara Streisand one, and I was like, "Why are the- there?" There's like there's like four different A Star Is Born movies, right? Or three? Yeah, like I, yeah. I guess I'm just like I'm just not that interested in I'm a recycled of, story, even if it's updated. Like that's 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 not that interesting to me. Even if it's Lady Gaga, the, the Barbara one is the worst one, which I I have not seen. That, but I I mean it, it, that also was not a movie that particularly impressed me. But I do love Barbara, and there will mm. never be another Barbara. Mm. But yeah, I just like like I I'm glad I, I kind of it's nice. The idea that Lady Gaga might be a really great actress is like exciting to me, um, and I like that she's having the success, and I love the sound of that one song. But yeah, there's just nothing about it that really like grabs my attention, which is why I haven't seen it. But also, when you have someone like Judy Garland who is uh, creating the bar, yeah, mm-hmm. why even try to eclipse that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. how could yeah. you? Yeah, you know, like, yeah. Did you like the movie, Stephen? I'm gonna respectfully abstain. Oh, there we go. <gasps> oh my god! But yeah, a star is born. Truly, like I, I did really like it. Swipe right, swipe yes. left. Killing Eve. Oh, oh my god! Swipe Steven. right. I'm. I just came from watching an episode. Oh, I just tell watched us your experience. Episode six. Uh, it's so good, right? Okay, so I have to be honest. It threw me off. It threw me for a loop. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because to- like tonally, the show is. 
it's a comedy? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Kind of. Like it's Ish. dark. Like it's I a thriller and there's yeah. those old elements, but it's yeah. also wildly funny. Like it's, it's so really, really, really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm obsessed with Sandro. Yeah. Same. Same. I can't remember the woman who plays Villanelle. I can't remember her name, but Jody Comer. Yeah. And so their chemistry is amazing. And I love that Sandra O's hair is a key character in the series. Like it's phenomenal. Oh my god. Swipe right, swipe left. Mary Queen of Scots. Did we see that movie? No. Oh, have you? Oh my god. Oh, I love that. I mean, I I, I love the sound of it. I I mean, Mary Queen of Scots. I'm I'm swiping right on all of the wigs. The wiggery in this (laughs) film is phenomenal. Like, I mean, they're base. They should win best supporting role. Honestly, the wigs wigs. in Mary (laughs) Queen of Scots. Um, My mother, as a very white person, is convinced that our family is somehow related to Mary Queen of Scots, which I think is totally made up, so I swipe left <laughs> on that sort of weird white supremacist genealogy project. And, and um, nice. Swipe right, swipe left, Glenn Close. Oh, oh, oh my right. god, come on! Oh right all day, every day. She she is my, she's my real mother. I was just right. raised by her on-screen presence. Swipe. And talk talk about great skin. Great oh, yeah. skin. Yeah. She yeah. looks amazing. She was so cute. She is. Well, yeah. that speech at the Golden Globes was everything. Listen. It was truly. It was. And her dress with the little bow. She did a little present that I want to unwrap. She, oh. <laughs> she, she looked amazing. It was fabulous. She's a top, though. She would fuck you. Oh, I, you think? I, yeah, I absolutely. Absolutely think Glenn Close is the top. She, absolutely, she, she, she's a dom top. She would tie no you up and in you. my mind. If she did it reenacting her role as Cruella Deville, I would. Ah! You Cruella. absolutely yeah. would. What about Fran's Alex? <laughs> I mean, Fatal uh, Attraction. I, Fatal Attraction Ooh, really yeah, was. That's, that's mine. That was oh, when I feel mm-hmm. like she was initiated into gay iconography. Yeah, like, that's I was when like, I knew she was the top. Is, yeah. That is gay culturally. Um, yes. she's a thought. She's been married four times. She's, she's been, been married, married four times. Yes. Come through with the info. She's been close. We are here for fact checker. We love it. Checking here. This is historical accuracy. Again. Is this the New York Times Daily podcast? Because <laughs> love this factual us. information coming through. Swipe right, swipe left, the new Mary Poppins film. Swipe left. I hate it because of Lynn Manuel and I hate everything about Hamilton. It's oh, just a personal no, vendetta. No, I'm sorry. Just to um, cut, contextualize your remarks, you were you ha- were in a relationship with someone who was in, in Hamilton, Hamilton yes. mm-hmm. and therefore have an mm. unfounded negative Correct. connotation with a beautiful cultural object. Yes, absolutely true. There yes. we go. So it is, it is, it is petty.com. I'm trying to not get this podcast mm-hmm. canceled, but you make it difficult <laughs> I, every day. I, I do have, you know, uh, sort of uh, materialistic critiques of the narrative and understanding of Hamilton, but we'll save that for another time and place. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like, let's just not. Um, <laughs> um, I'm gonna swipe right. I'm I'm loving the fashion in the movie. It's really great. Um, I'm loving Emily Blunt singing. I'm just I'm into all of it. Have you seen it, Stephen? I have not. Oh my oh. god, it is so good. It's one of the best yeah. movies I saw. Is Emily yeah. Blunt oh. the one that sings the "You're Beautiful"? <laughs> is what? that what? what? That's her, right? <laughs> Joseph. Who is she? What? <laughs> I don't know. You're, no. That's, Isn't that I'm James so Blunt? James. That's sorry. Um, sorry. Oh that's James God. Blunt. I was sorry. like, that's a man. Sorry. Who sings that song. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> 
Um, you are the dentist Ma- of this podcast Mar- today. Champagne. Mar- <laughs> champagne. Fran is done. I, am, Fran, <laughs> I quit. Fran astrally projected. Um, You're beautiful. Well, okay, well, swipe right, swipe left. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Mm, yeah, swipe right. Oh, so sexy. So, yeah, so good. I love a superhero. Swipe right. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Oh, oh my God. God, Steven. I'm writing season two. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank, thank you. God. He's busy. Leave him alone. He's doing the Lord's work. (laughs) You would really like it though, Stephen. I'm excited. Um, Swipe right, swipe left. Aquafina. Oh. One of my favorite people. Swipe right. The water or the person? (laughs) (laughs) Stephen is at the water bottle. Literally holding We are drinking Aquafina Aquafina right now. Um, Swipe, swipe right. I love her. I love, (laughs) I I love her voice. I love how fucking funny she is. I'm, I'm all about her. And when she did the monologue that she did when she hosted SNL and talked about the significance of being in that role, I just, I I love Aquafina. I'm here for Mm. her. She and Nico Santos were two of the best things about Crazy Rich Asians. True. The movie was great, but they were fantastic. They were so good. Uh, And she's just like, she just deserves all the roles. Like, I love this Aquafina Zance that's happening. Like, she's in a Netflix show I think coming out soon with Bowen yeah uh, I don't know if it's Netflix but yeah she's yeah, working yeah. on a show with Bowen Yang oh my yeah. god friend of the show um, swipe right swipe left Regina King Oh, all the rights all goddess the all the rights she's perfect <laughs> she's, she's unbelievable and I I actually got so emotional when I watched her um win her award at the Golden Globes because I felt like Regina King has also kind of been slept on for a long totally. time Correct. especially in like critical circles and she's been ser- she has been serving it for decades and like no only black people were t- I felt like we're talking about her and I'm just so excited that like now that she's doing all of these different things and she's getting the recognition yeah. that she deserves like her star is going to shine even brighter and I'm I'm so here for it also she is beautiful beautiful, beautiful. Mm-hmm. I have if a you- quick Regina King anecdote yes, yes! 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 so yes! Yes! at the uh, American Film Institute Awards. Um, I got to meet her, which was incredible, and she's just luminescent. And so I walk over to her and I'm like, you have really huge fans in the pose room. And she looks at me and she's like, oh girl, I know that. You referenced 227 on the show. Oh, <laughs> yes! Yes, yes. Just, if you haven't seen her um, the video of her doing the voice of the two brothers on Boondocks. There's like a video yes, that's gone around. Um, it is like, you know, I think acting is one of those things that we all think doesn't take work. And when you see someone have a mastery of craft, mm-hmm. it is just like, it is so unbelievable to watch. And you're just like, wow, that person has worked on their craft so, so hard. And I love and respect that. For real. Get out your coin purses, benches. It's time for Penny for Your Thoughts. Yes. So this is our patented advice segment, wherein today, three absolute fucking trash people and Steven yeah. <laughs> are going to give advice and answer your questions. Because so, we're deeply qualified to deep, answer I'm, all I'm, of your Fran problem. is a doctor. I'm a doctor, as I always say. <laughs> um, you all know I'm a scientist and a doctor. So um, we, we pulled these from social media. Sometimes we put out asks. Next time there's an ask, make sure you ask a question. First up, I love this question. What did you all want to be as kids? I'm curious about whether you always wanted to be creative or if you had other aspirations. I'm trying to figure out how to make decisions about what to study and where to go with my life. But as a baby gay, maybe what I want to do will change like 3,000 times before it actually becomes important. Mm. 
Dude. Fran. Such a good question. I um, wanted to be an artist uh, because we had a lot of Diego Rivera prints around my house. Um, mm. And I, you know, I just like idolize him. And I was, I'm kind of sad that I was deprived of Frida Kahlo because she was too racy for, oh, you know, like I God. didn't know she existed as yeah. a child. So that would have been my idol, but it was Diego Rivera. And then I gave a, um, uh, I had to give a presentation in third grade uh, at pretending to be my role model and and talking about yeah. what you wanted to be when you grew yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was Diego Rivera. And I at, at the end of my presentation, um, someone asked like, oh, how much money did Diego Rivera make? And I was like, oh, he was actually very popular during his, t- during his time or whatever my third grade answer was or something. And then the teacher, the teacher was like, well, actually – Artists don't make very much money. <laughs> I mean, and it was singed. That was singed into my brain, and I abandoned my like uh, hopes of being an artist in oh third God. grade. And then wow. I did, and so to answer this person's question, then I decided I wanted to be an architect. Then I decided I want to be an English teacher. Then I decided I wanted to be a youth pastor. That was an interesting version of oh. my life. Oh, then I decided God. I wanted to be a drama teacher. Then I decided I wanted to be a playwright. And then I decided I want to be an editor. And now here I am. You and know, and Some also of those probably things. a handful of other careers that I'm completely forgetting as well. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. so yeah. that you know, you really will change your mind you will. Um, a bajillion times unless you were a sociopath and know exactly what you wanted to do when you were young. And that's r- power to you, but that's just not the common experience. Yeah, I think the flexibility yeah. is really beautiful. Mm. Agreed. D. Um. So what's really interesting is that I did. I, I was not trying to um, take a creative path when I was really young. So for a long time, I wanted to be a lawyer. There was a time when I wanted to be a teacher. And what's interesting to me is that a creative path didn't seem like a feasible thing, but that's kind of crazy because I had two older sisters who were both making a living. One was running the public theater at the time. The other one was um, a singer on Motown Records and was traveling and touring the world. So I had very near to me, like people who were making a living in creative paths and I was doing creative things, but they were just like fun. So I had all these ideas probably because I was a really good student of doing things that were based around academia and and education. And it wasn't until... um, I began to really think more about what I loved to spend my time doing that my actual um, career paths and inspirations began to um, sort of emerge. And so for a long time, I wanted to be a professional violist because that was my favorite thing to do. I loved it really seriously. And even though I wasn't sure that I would go on that path, and ultimately I didn't, I understood by the time I was 15 or 16 that my my path, my purpose in life was to be creating something. Mm-hmm. It just took me a little bit longer to figure out um, – that that was actually going to be writing. Mm -hmm. So it it was a path. It was a journey. Steven. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. I think that we, as young people, are socialized to make the logical choice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're fortunate to have either a teacher or a parent in your life who says your creative endeavors matter and Mm -hmm. that's important, Mm -hmm. then then you will continue to pursue that as you get older. And then there are people mm-hmm. like myself who you still will fight against the tide. Mm-hmm. So I think as a little boy, I wanted to be a scientist. Like I imagine being an astronaut because I loved Saturn and the rings. And I was like, I want to go to that planet, which mm-hmm. realistically can't actually happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but no one ever told me that that was silly. Mm-hmm. Um, That's amazing. And then I wanted yeah. to be a lawyer and I wanted to be a doctor and I wanted to be you know, a teacher for a minute. And then at 15, I discovered film. And that's when I decided I want to be a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And even then, like I studied film as an undergrad and I still worked in higher education as a college administrator for 10 years before moving to LA to pursue film and TV. And so I think there were 
along the way, there were certainly lots, many, many, many signs pointing, mm-hmm. you know, all yeah. roads point here. Mm-hmm. And yet I still was like, I should make, I, I should swipe right, but let's swipe left, you know, yeah. and making all these choices and getting in my own way. And I totally. think like my advice for this person is just don't get in your own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, right. I think there's a life coach, Marcus Buckingham, who says you surround yourself with the things that you love. Mm. And so I think it's really important to just assess your surroundings. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, it's I. this is a hilarious question for me because when I was little, I read the book The Hot Zone and I decided I wanted to be a virologist, mm. but that kind of went away. And I also... Wait, what is a virologist? It's what I got my PhD in, basically, in oh, the end. But, like, but I wasn't <laughs> driven toward Come that. Come on, doctor. Hello. Okay. Uh, and, and I also <laughs> wanted to be a writer. And I I went home last year for Christmas and I found these books that I had written in like third grade. And and it was like the most depressing thing ever. One of them was like a a short story about a whale whose whole family died and he had to swim around alone the rest of his life in the ocean crying. But no one could see his tears because he was underwater. Like that was actually. okay. that's Pixar's next big hit. (laughs) (laughs) When am I writing that? (laughs) Steven just greenlit it. Let's go. We're going to Hollywood. But, but I kind of – I was very – you know, I was very open. I swiped right on a lot of things and I just so happened to come back around into being those two things because I think I did exactly what you're saying is that I listened to my heart. I made both practical um, choices but also choices about what – my life has always been surrounded by what I love to do. I've never mm-hmm. had a job that I didn't love to do. So I've landed in a place that just feels actually like my 12-year-old dreams but completely accidentally – I also feel like it's just never too late to change your mind. Totally no. true. Come through with yeah. the advice. Totally mm. true. All right. This is kind of a related question. I think Stephen will have some interesting things to say about this, and I know y'all will. How do y'all stay grounded while moving through jobs that aren't your fave or that don't pay what you deserve? This person mm. says, I'm struggling to keep the big picture right now. Mm. Ooh. I know, mm. girl. Steven I know. is Child. 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 Deep. Um, that question – Wow. Okay. Ooh, we're gonna get emotional. Cause I, the thing I'm that I'm thinking about right now is, so when I was working in higher education, I started off in residential life, and then I transitioned into working in multicultural affairs. So working mm-hmm. primarily with you know young women, LGBTQ plus, and then students of color um, at predominantly white institutions, mm-hmm. and that's obviously its own really interesting uh, experience. But part of the reason that I left was my realizing that I essentially was a fraud, Mm. that parents were spending, parents and guardians were spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to send their students, you know, their children to an institution where they were going to be mentored and guided by someone like myself who'd been hired by the institution to do that for them. And I'm sitting there trying to tell you how to live your best life. And I myself am not doing that. You know, and so I was living a, a fraudulent existence Mm. which is tough and so anyway i say that to say that i think what's for me what was really important was having that moment where i took a step back to again assess like where am i right now and what is most important to me Mm. yeah you know it took two years so i in terms of my my journey to to la um in 2010 i took my first screenwriting class i'd never written despite the fact that i'd studied film i'd never written a screenplay um i did that for a year and i loved it didn't move to to la until 2012 Mm -hmm. so in spite of taking that class there was still another full year 
before I made the decision and pulled the trigger, if you will, to say I'm going to move to LA and I'm going to commit to my art in that in that mm-hmm. significant way. Um, when I decided to take that class, it really was just I need to reconnect with myself. I need to reconnect with my art and what it means to mm-hmm. be a creative being. Mm-hmm. And so I think yeah. what's essential at the core to me of that question is: Are you disconnected from self? Mm. Mm. You know. And then how can you be reconnected? How can you or be, how yes. can you be reconnected? You know, through teeny little ways that you take up your time when you're not at your job exactly. or mm-hmm. at your job if you know, don't really care about doing your job you know that's yeah, fine yeah. we all have soul sucking jobs I mean I used to be a salesperson at American Apparel uh, you know like they, we all have you know desk jobs that we hate I used to write you know advertising for I used to be in advertising as a copywriter and like I just could feel this was also like right as Trump had been elected and I could feel like my soul being sucked out of my body mm-hmm. uh, while uh, while I'm writing, you know, ad copy for Smart Water uh, <laughs> and, and thinking and then like, you know, t- Trump is like tweeting like the trans military ban and all these things that feel so largely out of my control. And I think I reached a boiling point where I was just like, OK, I'm just going to take a huge financial risk and dedicate my working life to you know, uplifting the lives, beings, narratives of queer people. Like, I, I, if I can't do it here, I have to take the leap. But yeah. while I was doing that job, um, that the advertising job, I was, you know, keeping – I was moonlighting all the time. I would go home and I would, you know, be editing Hello, Mister. Or I would, like, you know, wake up early in the morning to take a breakfast meeting with a writer. Or, like, I was doing everything I could to squeeze time into the little mm-hmm. other elements of my life that weren't my job. This message comes from iHeartRadio sponsor, Mercury Insurance. If you're looking to save some money, you should really think about getting a quote from Mercury. Because Californians save an average of $677 with Mercury. It's quick and easy, and in just a few minutes, you might find you could save a lot of money on your auto and home insurance. Plus, Mercury was named one of America's best insurance companies by Insure.com four years in a row. Low rates, big discounts, great insurance. Go to MercuryInsurance.com today to get a quote. It's crazy how much we have to pay for outdated, impersonal health care, and even crazier that we all just accept it. It's time to face facts. Healthcare is backwards. Luckily, there's forward a new approach to primary care that's surprisingly personal and refreshingly straightforward. Forward never makes you feel like just another patient. Backed by top-rated doctors and the latest tech, Forward gives you access to personalized care whenever you need it. Using in-depth genetic analysis and real-time blood work, Forward's top-rated doctors provide you with in-depth insights to better understand your genetics, mental, and physical health. They then create custom, easy-to-understand plans to help guide you to achieving long-term health. With Forward, you get unlimited in-person visits with your doctor and access to care anytime via the Forward app, all for one flat monthly fee. It's time to stop accepting backwards health care and start moving your health forward. Visit GoForward.com today to learn more. That's GoForward.com. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $350 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Peace to the planet. Charlemagne the God here. And you don't want to miss Hello Somebody with Senator Nina Turner on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I love Hello Somebody simply because I love Nina Turner. She's fearless. I'm Nina Turner. Hell-raising humanitarian, sister in the struggle, and recovering elected official. Listen to Hello Somebody every Thursday on the iHeartRadio app. 
Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, Dennis. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what I'll say is that um, I feel slightly um, unqualified to answer that question because if I'm being really honest, I don't feel like I did stay grounded. I've, mm-hmm. I, I've been working in the nonprofit industry since I finished graduate school um, in New York City, like education oriented things. And I have been at this one particular place for the last um, three and a half, four years. And I recently left. I I finally made the decision to take the leap and focus on my art and the things that I'm trying to do. And um, I don't feel like I did stay grounded while I was was there. It was a really dark place. It was a really abusive place. And um, what happened was there were people around me who started who who started doing it first? So so there was huge turnover. A bunch of people started leaving, and they took these leaps of faith where they were like, "I'm stepping out on faith because I need to make my life better." Because I'd gotten to a point where I would wake up every day and I was looking in the mirror, and I was, you know, if you if you looked at it, it seemed like everything was good because I've been publishing things, and there's been a lot that's been happening in my writing career, and we have this amazing podcast. But I was like, I don't like anything about what my life really looks like right now mm-hmm. and I have to make some changes or else like what have I done like mm-hmm. why did I like make the decision to go to graduate school and study creative writing like why have I made the choices to let myself stay in this situation and the other thing I'll say is that everyone in my life was like you you, you can do this and, and you need to do this my family was saying that my friends were saying that some of the people that I served were like you gotta go this place is crazy you need to leave and I just finally was like I, I, it's like I just woke up and I was like, oh, like I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can I can jump. I, I can take this leap. I can jump. Step out on faith. Fran, your anxiety is out of control. What's standing between <laughs> you and happiness? <laughs> Honestly, just you, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Accurate. BetterHelp.com online counseling is there for you. BetterHelp makes it easier to connect with licensed professionals, counselors specializing in the issues that you want to talk about. Depression, stress, anxiety, trauma, grief, self-esteem, and others. Wouldn't know know anything about any of those things. Literally 80% of my therapy is talking about these motherfucking assholes. Connect with your counselor in a safe and private environment. Get help at your own time and at your own pace. Listen, I know that a lot of you thought out there don't have mental health care insurance and so these online services are a good option if you need an affordable choice if you've been wanting to talk get started today go to betterhelp.com thought simply fill out the questionnaire to help them assess your needs and in joe's case all the crying and get matched with a counselor you'll love one that you can always change if you're like fran and all you do is change (laughs) (laughs) can't even commit to a therapist i just roll with the punches girl (laughs) (laughs) that's betterhelp.com slash thought promo code (laughs) t-h-o-t Mm. It's time we get into the meat of our discussion, the thought process, if you will, spelled T-H-O-T. T-H-O-T. And uh, what do we got for our thought process today? Yeah, y'all. Today we are going Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I'm really fascinated with Hollywood because it's one of those magical things in the American imagination like Joan Didion wrote about with New York, where it's both a physical place. Hollywood is a neighborhood in L.A., but it's also so, so much more than that. It's an idea. It's an aspiration. Like queerness as it's defined by Jose Munoz, Hollywood is also an idea that seems ever moving, aspirational, even to those who have already arrived, like one never quite has enough. So what is Hollywood? 
Is it films and TV? Is it set celebrity and fallen celebrity? Wealth and whiteness? Glitz and glam? Hollywood certainly denotes access. Work made in Hollywood is seen by millions of eyes, sort of by definition. But is going Hollywood synonymous with selling out? Thoughts? I want to start the discussion a little light. La La Land. Bad movie or terrible movie? Oh, my God. Joseph, I I actually loved La La Land, okay? <laughs> How dare you? I And I think that the way that La La Land and Moonlight were pitted against each other was kind of insane. I didn't think that that was really, I think they were completely different films. And they yeah, were I mean, like, it was, it was totally unwarranted that they were, you know, put in opposition to each other, even though it was very fun to watch. Um, the, 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 the rise bet- between the two. Um, I actually, you know, thought it was, the movie was fine. Um, okay. uh, I loved Ryan... What's his face in it? Which Ryan? Ryan Gosling. Gosling. Yeah. Gosling. He's got a nice face. He's got a good. He does have a nice face. He's got a nice yeah, face. he does have a nice yeah. face. Interesting thoughts about about the film, and I, I mean, you know, particularly about L.A. and Hollywood and celebrity and kind of all the things, the big ideas of the movie. Mm-hmm. I felt about La La Land the way that I feel about Girls, mm-hmm. which yep. is. It's certainly a version of L.A. It's yeah. just not the version that I've experienced. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so I can I can honor the film and the folks who love it. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that it was a musical. Yeah. yeah. And so I do think you need to – there needs to be a little bit of um, – Ooh, what's the word I'm looking for? Pizzazz. It needs like yeah. a judge. It needs like a no, no. Campiness. Give it some slack. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's, there's a yeah. better word for that. Yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, we just need to give a little bit of slack, right? Like yeah. I don't expect it to be this like you know gritty, grounded yeah. film. Yeah. You know, I think going back to what Fran was saying though, for me, it, you know, Moonlight just touched me in a way that, of course, yes. I still am trying to figure out how to articulate. Yes. It. yes. Seriously. Yeah. 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 Oh God. It's you, you you mentioned that it felt like the. Mo- Hollywood of La La Land is different than the one you live in. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of am wondering about like in what way is like wh- in what like what is because you live in Hollywood in a way that like you're in the industry, right? Mm-hmm. So what like feels different about that to you than the experiment experience or the aspiration portrayed in the film? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I just think that there's this there's a soul crushing experience that Emma Stone is going through mm-hmm. right throughout the film that I think. You spit in any direction while you're in LA, and you're going to hit someone who's having that exact experience. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. The difference is that the film, and I again, I can appreciate that the movie wants to create this aspirational version of that experience. Mm-hmm. So at the end, we see her back on the Warner Brothers lot, and now she's a big star, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. and I get that what the filmmaker was trying to do. I think in then having that relationship, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it, have that relationship come to an end, mm-hmm. right? So it's mm-hmm. like we yeah. can't have her receive two big wins, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So she has to sacrifice something, and that's kind of screenwriting 101, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So she has to sacrifice something, i.e. the relationship, so that she could have the career that she wanted. Mm-hmm. But I think that that experience in L.A. for the for the actors, and I suppose for writers and directors as well, anyone yeah. aspiring to be in this business, it just looks... It's so much darker, mm-hmm. you know, here in L.A. The real experience. Yeah. The real experience. Yeah. You talk to folks who are, you know, like I know people who are wildly talented writers mm-hmm. specifically, and they've left. Mm-hmm. You know, they went back home because they, they only had enough of a surplus of money to exist, you know, to, to sustain living here for X number of years. Mm-hmm. I know people mm-hmm. who have been here for over a decade, and they still haven't broken in, you know. And so I think I, I'm not sure what the 
answer is. Like, I, I certainly don't have the mm-hmm. the you know, one note. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, to say this is what you need to do to mm-hmm. be successful in this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of folks who are still waiting to have that experience, and I think you know that film tried to capture that moment. Mm-hmm. And I think for some folks it was really successful, but for me there was just it was too real mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. that. I had a hard time like buying into the experience that she's having in the movie. I'm curious about like what your experience and also just like all of us in general about like making it in industries where we feel like we don't belong or or Mm. where um, if there's anything you can speak to, you know, like getting into the door um, and having expectations or not or something like that. I mean, I don't want to be super didactic in this Mm -hmm. moment, but Mm -hmm. I, you know, I do think the other place to to critique La La Land is. You know, what are the politics of that movie? Mm -hmm. You know, and like, Mm -hmm. are we taking a step back to think about identity, you know? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. we're looking at this journey through the lens of admittedly a woman, but who's also white, Mm -hmm. you know? And that experience is very specific and very different from, you know, if if the Emma Stone character was played by, you know— a black yeah. woman or a yeah. Latina. Regina King. Regina King. I have a question sort of about— like, I mean, Hollywood holds this place because, like I said in the intro, it is powerful. Mm. It ha- you, it takes a lot of money to make a film or TV show that is going to be seen by lots of people. Mm. Without that money, there is no TV show, right? Um, and, you know, th- there's a lot of power in that because TV shows are, are capital C culture and can mm-hmm. change how people live their lives. But I'm curious about um, the myth of, like, having to compromise or having to sell out or like what choices you make uh, when we're making art, all of us here make art between things that are going to reach a wide audience uh, versus things that are going to be like really, really gritty and true to our particular experience. Mm. I'm Mm. When I'm making art, I'm someone who's always of the mind thinking that there is an element of what, if I want it to be successful, there's an element of what I have to do that has to be um, commercially uh, you know, viable mm-hmm. or com- commercially mm-hmm. consumed. And there has to be like a, a va-va-voom of like whatever I'm making um, that might not necessarily be exactly to my artistic dream of like what right. it could be. Um, but, uh, you know, I need that element of it in order for it to move forward. Um, and then under, and then once it moves forward, I have this kind of like Trojan horse of like w- the actual thing that I want to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. uh, this is a kind of a stupid thing, but, you know, I, I, I'm in, I'm the deputy editor at Out Magazine, and um, we had we have an audience that's you know always interested in like hot dudes who are shirtless, and like that's like the content that gets clicks and gets consumed, mm-hmm. and that was like what a lot of the you know the editorial staff was pushing out before, and so. Um, I was like, why don't we have a back of book feature where we have an extremely hot person like in a bathtub or like on their bed, like naked and breaking down a very complicated topic about like race and identity Mm -hmm. or intersectionality or like we have um, in our next issue, which will be out by the time this comes out, but. Like in our March issue, um, we have a woman who has a prosthetic leg and she is super hot in like lingerie and she's talking about ableism in the queer community. Mm. You have, and we call it a thirst trap because you're Ooh. lured in by the hotness of a person, um, but you, which is like, you know, a gimmicky thing to do. And then I have this like kind of gotcha and I'm like, here's like 500 words on like something that you actually didn't know and you need to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Steven. I think that what Fran is saying is if, 
I don't want to keep talking about the show, but it, it reminds me of of the conversations we were having in the room around Pose, mm-hmm. frankly. You know, like we knew while constructing the show that the balls and the glitz and the glamour and the color, that was going to bring the audience in. Mm-hmm. And once we've pulled you in, then we can thump you over the head mm-hmm. with the message mm-hmm. and with the education. And, you know, and so I, you know, the show is this really interesting juxtaposition between you know, the the grit of what it meant to be in New York mm-hmm. in the 80s, dealing with the crack epidemic, dealing with HIV mm-hmm. AIDS, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with poverty. And also, you know, that there was this community that was built mm-hmm. and this family and these, these houses and the competition, you know, mm-hmm. and the art that came out of, out of the culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's critically important Mm -hmm. you know that that what's being created sort of is a balance of both and that's like one of my favorite things about i'm also i'm like happy to talk about pose for you if you would like (laughs) (laughs) that's one of my favorite things about the show is it strikes this really special beautiful rare balance of what is um eleganza and gowns and like a throwing shade and like all these like moments that are so have so much entertainment value Mm -hmm. along with a conversation about a trans woman having sex which is like something we never see or like and it's a conversation about sex work in general or about drugs or about and it's not torture porn i feel like so many uh, films and tv shows about marginalized people is like look at the suffering look at the suffering and i think one of the most amazing things about queer people and in particular queer people of color is that like there's so much exuberance and joy created in these communities that are Mm -hmm. also families dealing with the trauma and Mm -hmm. dealing with the pain so it's like to only show one side of that story is actually deeply dehumanizing and like I'm always like does this do more harm than good do we need another one of these like victimization marginalization stories that is you know probably made by people largely outside of the community well Mm -hmm. can I say to your point Mm -hmm. that's one of the challenges though for young creatives of color Mm -hmm. and young Mm -hmm. LGBTQ creatives and then you know let's not even get into like folks who live in the intersection of those identities Mm -hmm. but you know like how do you go out and talk about the work Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. pitch it in a way that, you know, our primarily cis, white, straight males mm-hmm. understand mm-hmm. and are then green lighting. Yeah. Because frankly, yeah. they're the ones that have all the power. And, mm-hmm. you know, like to go back to the experience I was having when I was pitching Pose, it was tough. You know, mm-hmm. I, like I had to do a lot of work mm-hmm. to give them the historical context of, you know, the show mm-hmm. to help them to understand where this narrative is being grounded and so by the time you get to talking about the fun they've already they're glazed over they're Mm -hmm, like okay girl this is not fun this is not interesting no thank you what else do you have Right, and that's wow. one of the ways in which systemic power perpetuates mm-hmm. itself, right? When the when all of the money is to straight white dudes, mm-hmm. and they like you have to explain the fact that you're a human to them, mm-hmm. and by the time you've convinced them that you're a human, they're glazed and not listening anymore. Well, of course, like we get mediocre, fucking terrible uh, reboots of Will and Grace, right? Mm-hmm. And that's all we get. Um, so I'm kind of curious, but I feel like that's changing a little bit, and I'm kind of curious about your mm-hmm. sense of what allowed Pose to be greenlit. I mean. Or any uh, object like it. Yeah. Yeah. Object like it. Because I do, I agree. You know, we have things that are, we're having a moment where like I'm finally seeing narratives that I really have not seen. Yeah, not not in these huge mainstream, uh, you know, things like Hollywood where it takes a lot of money. So there's a lot of risk in making a project. So I think there's an inherent conservatism Mm -hmm. in that decision making. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I, not to be a complete negative, Nancy. I think you know <laughs> progress. No, no, I, yeah, that's usually my job, but you're doing great. <laughs> you know, progress is slow. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and so you know, like I will challenge the notion that we are in this place right now where we're seeing like a boom in these narratives. Mm-hmm. Like, are we? So, right. is, it, is it a boom or is it a, a little, a little there's, spike? There's, a little, little, you know, there's one thing. It's one like, is more than zero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. fair. Um, so that, and that's a whole other conversation. Like, yeah, you've been yeah, here for two hours just talking about, about yeah. the ripple. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that my concern is that I don't want the narratives that we're seeing right now that are subversive, you know, to be just a talking point, mm-hmm. you know? Because mm-hmm. I think what often happens is that, I just got British stuff, I was like, often. What, <laughs> often. what often happens is that, you know, we wind up becoming like a trend for a yeah. hot second, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so we're suddenly, you know, like a two-page article in Entertainment Weekly or in Hollywood Reporter, and then, and then we keep it pushing on to the next. And yeah. so, you know, I... What's critically important is that what's happening right now is sustainable. Mm-hmm. I don't exactly know the answer, mm-hmm. to be honest, to how that continues. Um, I do know that part of the reason why we're seeing more of these narratives, though, is that the studios and the networks have found a way to monetize our narrative. Exactly. Yes. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think what's what's important and what's happening right now is that as opposed to in the past we actually have a seat at the table, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on, you know, a show like Atlanta or a show like Ugh, Insecure so or, or a film like, yeah. um, like Crazy Rich Asians. Or Crazy yeah. Rich Asians, mm-hmm. exactly. So you have the folks who hold those identities responsible for the writing, for the producing, for the directing mm-hmm. and being in front of the camera as well. And you see that with our show as well and plenty of other film and television that are doing that. And I think that's what's important. And I think the way that we'll continue to see this this trend in air quotes or this movement perpetuate and to continue is to have folks like a Ryan Murphy, for example, mm-hmm. say, I recognize that I have a lot of privilege and power in this industry. And it's critically important to make sure that you are at that table telling your own narrative. Exactly. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and you have to have there have to be. And if you have someone who is like greenlighting something, they're not of that identity. They have lateral collaborators mm-hmm. that are like a part of the process and making it happen. You know, I think. Can I also say though, that uh-huh. th- what's all the other piece to that though is that this is at the end of the day a business. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And yes. so let's, you know, on some real shit, let's be honest, you know, a show like Pose, which, you know, full disclosure, like, you know, we were a moderate hit. Like, mm-hmm. we didn't have like huge numbers out of the gate. You mm-hmm. know, like if you look, and, and to be fair, like people aren't watching TV live anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah. So there is that. But at the end of the day, our numbers were okay. Mm-hmm. However, Having us be on all of these top 10 end-of-the-year lists yep. for mm-hmm. 2018, mm-hmm. having us receive nominations at the Globes or the Critics' Choice or AFI, all of that is of importance, mm-hmm. right? So I think when mm-hmm. you look at all of the shows right now that we reference mm-hmm. as being like the big hits, what is the common denominator there? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's not just that they found an audience and that because at the end of the day, those audiences are still looked at as being niche. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Right. That's all still, right. quote unquote, niche programming. But they're getting lots of awards yeah. and the stars mm-hmm. of these shows are on covers of magazines. Mm-hmm. And all of that helps when it comes to the business side. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if everyone was ignoring it, because think about it. Think of a show like Pose. If, if we weren't talking about the show, 
the show is what the show is, mm-hmm. right? So the narrative's there and the meaning and, and you know, what it'll mean for an audience and certainly the message is always going to be there. That isn't going to change, yeah. right? So what's the difference between us receiving a nomination at a Golden Globes, for example, versus not? Mm-hmm. And why is that so critically important mm-hmm. to the studios and to the networks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, that's, that's, yeah, that's just so amazing. It's like, it's, it's, that's an opportunity for the audience that like the larger audience to kind of get familiar and hear about it. There are so many people in my life who only ever in, in my non-queer life, for example, who only ever heard of Pose because of the Golden Globes. Like as much as there was stuff that was happening, like like everyone in my life who's queer, um, as soon as Pose happened, like everyone was, even was talking about it. Watch so parties. I, yeah, and, like, yeah. Like literally I would have like if if my entire life was queer, I would have thought that this was like the biggest show on television. You know? And exactly. I kind of for a minute I kinda I kinda did. And then I was like, oh wait, like let's look at the world that we live in. And so it's like it like feels kind of shitty, especially like as a sort of younger creative who's moving into that world and, and like trying to make choices and trying to move forward because it sort of feels like there's a way in which you have to figure out how to court that, even if you're not interested in it or don't want it. Does that make sense? Like yeah, it's it yeah, does. yeah. You just made me think of two really big thought, two mm-hmm. big things. One is <laughs> two big thoughts. Two big thoughts. Two big thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> One being, we have to ask ourselves, who is talking about the work? Mm-hmm. right because at the end of the day as you just said everyone queer in your life was talking about this show yeah you know and so who in this industry's voice has value mm-hmm. yep. you know mm-hmm. because mm. similar to you i know and i mean it's i'm in it so it's a little different but if i weren't in the bubble of pose i know that everyone in my life would have been talking about it as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. which leads me to the next point which is someone said to me and this was when i was in grad school we were discussing, I think it was like maybe 2012, 2013. And it was when Mad Men was out. And it was winning uh, all those, mm. you know, all the Emmys mm-hmm. every year. And it was, you know, tons of awards. And I was like, wow, it's like this big, massive hit. And this friend said to me, a big, massive hit because you live in L.A. And right. I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> and they were like, if you go out of your bubble, you'll see that really no one outside of Los Angeles is talking about it. And I was like, mm, really? Wow. And then you look at the numbers, just Every- the raw numbers of who's watching the show. And they're not. It, again, it wasn't a ratings bonanza. Wow. Wow. People watch fucking dumb shit like the Big Bang Theory. Oh, fucking yeah. awful trash TV is what are the big hits, like oh, the big numbers. It's, I, it's unbelievable. I've actually never seen that show. You have some bias <laughs> as a scientist who yeah, mean, has critis- criticism of TV scientists. But. No, I mean, it's, it's very true. I think that um, – but that gets to sort of this question of even with – so I think, you know, we think of popular art like Hollywood as sort of being often low art. And mm-hmm. I don't ma- mean that in a pejorative sense, but just popular for wide consumption. But mm-hmm. even within that, there is, you know, a geographical distribution, a high and low art TV. Like what is a show attempting – is it attempting to be, you know, sitcoms can get like 30 Rock very meta, right? Mm-hmm. Or it can just be like something that is enjoyable, consumable, and easy to watch. You guys get get ready? You ready? Uh-oh. There's an amazing David Foster Wallace essay. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> Every time. On, on uh, this exact thing in TV and consumption and irony and art. But he, he really makes the argument that like, you know, most – entertainment is just meant to be consumed. It's like, it's a thing that people want to be easy. Mm. And so it's always going to be hard Mm. to sell a popular show that challenges people in any way. Having trans people of color on TV in and of itself is challenging Mm -hmm. for the majority of this country. Right. So I think that, that we all grapple with that in our art. Like how, how true are we to an experience that is going to feel niche to, you know, selling lots of books or being on TV. 
what comes to mind listening to what you just said is the question of whose perspective or whose point of view matters. It's mm-hmm. similar to the question of whose voice are we paying attention to, mm-hmm. right? It's the same thing. It's like, who decided what is mainstream? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and at yeah, this truly. point, what is yeah. mainstream? What does that yes. mean? Yeah, exactly. You know? Because I think, you know, I think of the ballroom community and how they have influenced music and fashion and dance oh for my, oh decades, my God. right? Oh my God. Literal decades. Like, we mm-hmm. wouldn't have, you know, Beyonce. We wouldn't mm-hmm. have Lady Gaga. We wouldn't, you know, like, there's Disco, just so many like, ways. So, like, all the way back to the 70s, mm-hmm. you yeah. know? And, and even before then. Even and so, before. you know, you think about how they have created, how, as a culture, ballroom has impacted popular culture. Mm-hmm. <sighs> And all yeah. these things that are mainstream, and yet they are the ones who are still seen as being niche and fringe. Do we feel like maybe there's a boom that's happening behind the scenes that is facilitating even just the spike that we're that that we're seeing? So it's sort of like behind the scenes, it's like here. Mm. Um, there's all these people doing all this work to bring in the voices that we need, and it is resulting in this little spike that we're seeing. The ripple. The ripple. The ripple. The ripple. I, okay, yes. yes. On some really real shit. Yes. Mm-hmm. I do think that outside of equality, you know, and folks really, truly just innately in their heart wanting to do good. I do think that it is coming a little from a place of fear. Good. You know? And that there are a lot of folks in this industry who do not want to be seen as racist or sexist, misogynistic, you know, transphobic, homophobic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, the work that we're seeing, I think is great. You know, Mm -hmm. we're seeing this huge proliferation of queer and black and brown content and that Mm -hmm. is wonderful and i you know i benefit from that however you know there is a part of me that is still i struggle with it to be perfectly Mm -hmm. honest Mm -hmm. i really do i struggle with it because part of me feels like who has the power you know ultimately at the end of the day is the question that i'm still asking myself you know and my fear is that if we still are not in power, regardless of whether or not we have a seat at the table, mm-hmm. at any point, the rug could be pulled out from Absolutely. under us. Absolutely. And we could go right back to the way things were. Absolutely. You know, and so yes. that, I think those are conversations that we still need to acknowledge and have. Mm-hmm. And just know? based on, like, exactly what you're saying, uh, you know, I really think it's so critical to thank the activists, the scholars, the critics, and the writers who have been calling shit out. It's yes. like shit— Power doesn't seed itself without a fight, right? Yeah. And so, like, what has the fight been that is holding people in Hollywood accountable for the white supremacy, for the sexism, for the homophobia? Uh, it, and, and it has been people putting their feet to the fire and calling shit out and doing investigative journalism and writing, you know, things like the Bechdel test, right? Like, oh that gosh, started a whole test. conversation about yes. how women are portrayed in media. And without that, there would not be the change that we're seeing right now. So I think, you know, the people who are critical, who are critics and activists and and doing that work is so important to maintaining pressure on power to continue doing the right thing because they don't get i mean i think there are some people who give a fuck mm-hmm. mostly they just want to make money they don't Correct. really give right. a fuck and so it's like it's all of us it's shows like this that are continuing to have this conversation push it so that if they try to go backwards we're like bitch no like this is you're not going back we're not going backwards right. and i think fundamentally all of our goal is to take an axe 
to the motherfucking table to like not have a conversation mm-hmm. about a seat at the table anymore, but like imagine a system completely otherwise where the, the sort of financing the money, the way that we make big cultural products doesn't rely on like 16 rich white dudes mm-hmm. to imagine something completely better and different. But while the table still exists, you know, I think we have to be strategic about yeah. how we apply pressure because yes. things like post saves like literally saves lives. Right. Yeah. Uh, And it also creates a new standard. It's like, it's kind of a new notch in in what people think is possible. And, and, you know, the way that y'all, you know, cast it, the, a record number of like queer and trans people in the Mm -hmm. show, like that is now the new standard and casting agents can't be like, well, we can't find any trans people, you know, that's like bonkers. Although they still say that. I know. Exactly. (laughs) And and it's kind of like when I, I think I've said this before, it's kind of like when like Rihanna came out with Fenty and she was like, well, now I got 49 shades. Like, and then Mm -hmm. all, all the makeup people who, existed previous were like well we got 32 and it's like well that's not the well this is the new standard now like we were able to do this and like you can actually this by showing that it's possible and like by being the absolute fucking best in your category which sucks that we have to do that in order Mm -hmm. to you know prove a point um that that helps get things greenlit or whatever and again like when things like crazy rich asians are made or with things like black panther Mm -hmm. are made um and previously a lot of you know, the green lighters think that, oh, yeah, no, actually, like, they, those things had never made money, and now all of a sudden it's making money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it sucks that, that it has to work that way, but, yeah, when, you, when you're when you the fucking best and you prove that it works, they're like, oh, imagine that, and now more projects mm-hmm. are going to get green light, light, green yeah. light yeah. like that. It's a, the, in biology, we call that a ratchet. <laughs> Ironically, oh. uh, because, because a ratchet works by, like, clicking forward and then you can't go back. Mm. So oh. it, it maintains motion only in one direction through sort of a. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. like. Love science. Love a yeah. science. Uh, a little, a little bit more. I'm kind of that. taking up my that. I'm the scientist on the show. So I like <laughs> taking up some important you know, gonna, space gonna, that I was like, gonna, you're really gonna, taking up space here. I'm going to grow a mustache just to piss you off. Oh my God. Don't you dare. I love that. So what you're saying in Hollywood is that we need ratchets. Yes. Hollywood needs to get way more ratchet. I love <laughs> I'm feeling like I'm full, but I could fit just one more thing inside of me. Dennis knows what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, I do. Always. I have a feeling that Stephen might know as well. Oh my mm. god. <laughs> <laughs> you missed a little shimmy in the studio. Um this week's dessert, uh, which is the thing that we recommend each week, is a show called Vita, mm. which, in my opinion, next to Pose, is the most radically queer show on television. It is Ooh. truly like one of the most amazing fi- uh, TV shows um, on Stars. And to me, also, Tanya Saracho, the showrunner, is someone who um, I feel created a truly impossible cultural object, or what you would think is impossible. It centers not one, not two, not not three, but like multiple queer women of color characters. They have raucous sex on yeah, on screen. Yeah. Sure do. They have, they have tons Woo! of like, co- there are a lot of codes inside those sex scenes. The characters are allowed to be flawed. They're allowed to be opinionated. The characters are all Latinx, or most of them are Latinx, and they move in and out of Spanglish without subtitles. And then the st- the whole writing mm. room and the, ca- and the cast and the directors and the people working on the scenes of the show um, are all 
uh, uh, women or femmes of color. Amazing. um, Because that was like a prerequisite that Tanya wanted for the show. And because of all of that stuff, you know, the show just is so amazing. And I feel like everyone needs to go out and watch it. Yes. Yes. You... no, I mean, I feel like that's the thing is that people want want to pretend that like having a show about Latinx people written and made by Latinx people is just about representation. No bench is about making a good fucking yeah. show. Like that's yeah. where the quality yeah. comes yeah. from. It's like people who have stakes in it, people who have craft with it, people who have lived that experience are going to represent it properly and well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's not just like yeah. PC not- nonsense. Yeah. I hate that idea of this whole conversation that we have. It's just about being PC. See, no bench is about making good yeah. art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing I love about the show is that once again, it's just a perfect model for education and entertainment, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like she's not shying away from talking about hentification, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's such a critical and important part of that show, but it's also, in my opinion, the sexiest show. It's oh, so sexy. It's so hot. Pornography. It is. So, it is. And not it's even so just good. the sex, just even the way that the characters look at one another, the way that they move Ugh. their bodies in space yeah. and time. Like, I just... <sighs> Yeah. And, and that's, again, it comes from the fact that it's, like, made by us for us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I personally it. have just never seen, one, like, so many intersections like that um, for Latinx people, mm-hmm. um, like, in a way that, like, spoke to me. But also to have the characters talk about um, the the ways that, you know, Mexican-Americans in this country feel of a huge, uh, you know, disparity between the two, their two halves of selves, and right. yes. whether they're Mexican or whether they're American. Um, I, I don't know. It's just like it just strikes that balance so perfect. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go watch. This episode of Food for Thought was made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé, and also our new home at Forever Dog. <laughs> woof woof. Our producer is the macaroni to Dennis's cheese. Alexander <laughs> De well, yes! Dennis is the cheese. Yes, oh, yes, I'm God. the cheese. I A have macaroni. no problem with that. <laughs> Our social media manager is the only person who loves spreadsheets more than I do, Christina Tucker. I'm horrified. True. Absolutely. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, or Stephen will cancel season two of Post. No, I swear to God, Dennis. he'll do it. It got the chop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I'm Fran. You can find me at Fran Squish Co. on all social media. I'm Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com. And I'm Dennis North II. And you can find me on Twitter at the Earl Denden, T H E E A R L D E N D E N. And I'm Stephen Canals. And you can find me on Twitter at Stephen with a V Canals or at SV Canals on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Find us on Instagram at Gay Sluts Who Read and join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod, where each week we pin some questions at the top of our page to continue the discussion of this week's episode. Sign up for our newsletter to see a list of everything we are reading and show notes and some extra delectable content at mm. foodforthoughtpodcast.com. And finally, email us with your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick, dick pics. <laughs> thoughts at food, food, food for thought podcast.com. As always, that's food, the number four, and thoughts spelled how? T H O T. Thanks, y'all. 
I basically feel like I can't talk unless someone else is listening. Do you think there's a problem with that, Fran? Possibly, but no one is listening currently because it's the end of the episode. I love that. BetterHelp.com is there for me for all of my issues. Schedule a secure video and phone session, and you can start communicating in under 24 hours when no one likes your Instagram post. What are you going to do? <laughs> Best of all, it's truly the affordable option. Food for Thought listeners, you get 10% off your first month with discount code THOT. If you've been wanting to talk, get started today. Go to betterhelp.com slash THOT. Simply fill out the questionnaire and help them assess your needs. Get matched with a counselor that you'll love. One that you can always change. That's betterhelp.com slash THOT. Promo code THOT. THOT. 